Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. I recently got an email from Madhav, who wrote from India, and asked if I could address how people eating a more traditional Indian diet could apply nutrition advice that's based primarily on Western dietary patterns. So joining me on the podcast today is Vandana Sheth. She's a registered dietitian and the author of the book, My Indian Table. Vandana knows a lot more about Indian cuisine than I do, as much as I love it, and she's joining me today to help explain the nutritional pros and cons of the traditional Indian cuisine, how to select the healthiest options, and even how to make our own healthy Indian food at home. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast, Vandana. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Monica. I am so excited to be here. Well, I knew as soon as I got this email that I had the perfect person to to call to, to get answers to some of these questions. And I think this is such a great question about how we can reconcile what we understand about building a healthy diet with cuisines that may be a little bit less familiar to some of us here in the United States. So India, of course, is a very big country. I know that it had, just like the United States, it has a lot of regional culinary tradition. So we can't really say that Indian cuisine is a single thing, right? Absolutely. So India does have great diversity in terms of food, spices, culture, and flavor. And just like the Mediterranean diet, there is no one single Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. Same thing applies to Indian cuisine. There is no one single Indian cuisine. It varies depending on where or which part of India you're from. Um, so if you had to look at the country as a whole, you could broadly categorize Indian cuisine based just on geography as north, south, east or west Indian cuisine. Can you give me an example maybe of how they might differ? Is one reason, does one region tend to be spicier or one tend to be a little sweeter or saucier or is it impossible to generalize that way? You know, it's hard to generalize um, as to the differences between the cuisines. There are definitely commonalities. So most of um, Indian cuisine will have a wide variety of whole grains, beans and lentils, spices and herbs. And so depending on where you are, the use of the spice mixes could be different. Mm. One clear difference, for example, in the north, the predominant grain that's used is wheat. So you would have a lot of the flatbreads, uh, rotis or chapathis. And if you looked at the south or the east of India, you would have more of the rice-based um, grain used in their preparations. So does the style of cooking that we're most likely to find in Indian restaurants here in the United States, does that align more closely with any one of these regions or is it sort of a mix? Um, it used to be mainly North Indian cuisine. Mm. So it was uh, from a place called Punjab. So many of the restaurants that people thought of as Indian food was places that would serve naan or samosas or chicken tikka masala. Um, and these are dishes that come from the northern region of India. Okay. And is that also your own cultural and culinary heritage? Is that the part of India that your family comes from? Uh, so interestingly, I was born and raised in the southeast of India in a place called Madras, which is now known as Chennai. But my family is originally from the northwest state of Gujarat. So my family cuisine is a combination of these two. So you mentioned um, the spices that are used in pretty much all of the different regional cuisines, maybe in different ways. And spices that I associate specifically with Indian cuisine include turmeric, right? And we've heard a lot about the health benefits of turmeric. 
Yes, turmeric is a huge part of uh, the spice mix in most Indian cuisine. And um, when we think about Indian cuisine, often people think of curry powder or curry. Mm -hmm. And there really is nothing like that in an Indian kitchen. If you went to a home, an Indian home pantry, you opened up their spice boxes. We actually use individual spices and each family has their own way of blending these together for different dishes. Right. So curry just means a blend of spices, right? Correct. And so the traditional blend of spices um, is something called garam masala, which is literally mm-hmm. a combination of warming spices. So it could have cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, cardamom, depending on your family tradition. Right. And cumin is also a spice that I associate with Indian cuisine. Yes. So common spices. So in my kitchen, the spice box would have cumin, seeds, mustard seeds, turmeric, um, coriander, that's ground. Um, mm-hmm. You would have uh, red chili powder because I like heat. Um, and there's something called asafoetida that's used in Indian cuisine. It's a dried um, powder that has almost like a sulfuric tone to it. So for people who don't like onion and garlic, but want that kind of flavor, that's a nice thing to add to their cuisine. Yeah, some of the Indian recipes that I've seen have been a little intimidated because there is such a long list of spices. And while I do have turmeric and cumin and cardamom, there's always a few that I don't have. <laughs> yeah, and that that really was one of the reasons I wrote a book. Um, you had mentioned my book. Uh, the reason I wrote that is because so many people are intimidated when it comes to Indian cuisine because, yes, it can feel like there are 10 different spices you need to buy for one recipe that you may never make again. So the idea was to simplify and streamline that process. So I chose key ingredients that you could find at a regular grocery store and then mix and match and use it in a variety of recipes. That makes perfect sense. So to circle back to Madhav's question, let's talk about what some of the healthier aspects of traditional Indian diets are. What are some of the highlights? If I had to pick highlights of the traditional Indian diet, it would be the abundance of beans and lentils, a variety of colorful fruits and vegetables, whole grains, millets, um, fermented foods are a big part of Indian cuisine, nuts and seeds. And the cherry on top is, of course, the spices and herbs that are used to flavor up these foods. Yeah, you mentioned lentils. And I think until we start experimenting with Indian cuisine, a lot of Westerners are only familiar with the kind of green lentil, or it's actually kind of more brown. And of right. course, um, there's this whole variety of colors, red lentils, yellow, light green, bright green, <laughs> it, um, lots of different lentils. And so I always think of it as being a very friendly cuisine for vegetarians. Yes, yes. For anyone, whether you know you are vegetarian, vegan, or trying to shift more towards plant-based foods, because we know that's healthier, then this would be a cuisine that I would highly encourage you to try if you haven't. And fortunately, most American grocery stores are now having a lot of these varieties on their shelves. So you don't have to go to a specific ethnic market or Indian grocery store to find these. Although it's always fun to go to. (laughs) That's true. But yes, I agree. I am starting to see a lot more of these ingredients in my local, just regular old grocery store. Um, And most of the Indian dishes that I attempt to make at home are vegetarian. There's some sort of dal, some sort of lentil-based dish. But that makes me curious. In your, is your impression that vegetarianism is any more or less common in India than it is here in the United States? I think we're at about between five and eight percent of Americans identify themselves as vegetarian. Is that 
higher or lower yeah. than what we might see? It would definitely be higher. Um, traditionally, it was much higher in terms of having more vegetarian foods as part of your culture. But with the westernization um, and globalization of cuisine, definitely more of the younger generation is trying more um, non-vegetarian food choices. But if you looked at traditional Indian cuisine, vegetarianism was pretty popular and it's still a big part of the food choices. And is the role of meat uh, different? I mean, for those who do eat animal products in Indian cuisine, like what's the ratio of meat to vegetables? I mean, here we still are used to seeing that meat as the center of the plate. Is it similar or different in India? It's different. So it's more of an accompaniment. So it's more of one of the different things you have on your plate. It's not the main course. Mm -hmm. So it's usually accompanied with a bread or with some rice and with some vegetables. So it's a combination. So it's definitely not the centerpiece. I've also noticed that uh, Indian food seems to incorporate a fair amount of dairy products, yogurts and cheese, paneer and that kind of thing. But eggs, it seemed to be less commonly used. Is that is that correct or is that a false impression? You know, again, it depends because traditionally when you talk about an Indian vegetarian diet, dairy is included, but eggs are not. Ah. So depending on how strict you are as a vegetarian, because technically eggs could turn into chicken. And so whereas dairy, it was something that didn't kill the cow to get the milk. So there was a religious component to it. I see. Okay, that makes sense. And that that explains why we don't see quite as many eggs in those uh, recipes as we see a lot of dairy. Okay, so we've talked about some of the healthier aspects of Indian, traditional Indian cuisine, the vegetables, the the, the lentils, all the, the legumes. I guess we should also look at the other side of the coin. What are some of the less healthy aspects of traditional Indian diets? If you had to look at the less healthy options, it would be the overuse of fried foods. So... Um, a popular flatbread um, that's deep fried is called puri. It's a puffed deep fried bread. It's delicious, but it's fried. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. And so that was something that at home when I was growing up as a child, my mom would make it for a special treat if it was Mm -hmm. a holiday meal. It was not something we had daily. Um, Similarly, samosas, which most, uh, you know, most of us are familiar with, or the use of heavy cream in some dishes, Um, traditional sweets, um, Treats have a lot of sugar. Um, use of refined flour in place of whole grain flour. For example, if you had naan, it's, you know, it's delicious, but it's made with refined flour versus if you had roti, it's made with whole wheat flour. Mm-hmm. Salt would be another concern, especially if you look at a traditional Indian meal, not only in the actual cooking, but some of the accompaniments. So papad or papadam that's used on the side. Mm-hmm. That's a crispy rice or lentil flatbread, and that's preserved with a lot of salt. Same thing with Indian pickles, which are served with Indian meals. Um, the f- vegetable or chili or lime or mango is fermented and preserved in salt. And so if you have something like that on a daily basis, multiple times, you're getting a lot of salt that you didn't think about. Sure. But on the other hand, that is one of those probiotic foods that you were talking about it before, the, the fermented vegetables. True. Vegetables, right? True. So it's, yes, exactly. So it's a matter of balance. Well, you know, it, it seems very similar to the things that we tend to overdo in the States. Fried foods, sugar, refined flour, you know, so sort of the same, the same devils, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
So, Vandana, you're, as you just said, based here in the United States. You consider yourself an Indian American and you're a registered dietitian. And the Dietary Guidelines for Americans that we all are so familiar with, they reflect really traditional American eating patterns. So how would you adapt those for people who are eating a more traditional Indian diet or or even Americans who want to experiment with more Indian cooking and food? So what's nice about these new dietary guidelines is one key aspect is they talked about how you can adapt it to different cultural habits and preferences. And so it's fairly easy to adapt it to an Indian eating pattern. So when you think about it, if you remember the my plate, if you just imagine a traditional plate and visualize half your plate filled with a wide variety of vegetables. So when it comes to Indian cuisine, vegetables are abundant. So using either your cooked or raw vegetables on one half of your plate, fill one fourth of your plate with your beans, lentils, legumes. Um, and if you choose to, you could even use Greek or Icelandic yogurt for your traditional dishes. And that's going to be a nice boost of protein. Mm-hmm. And the other fourth could be your starch. So it could be your whole grain roti or basmati rice or brown rice. And right there, you've had a nice combination of all the foods in the right portions. And it's still using your traditional flavors. Right. So it's basically the same prescription we use for Western style eating half the plate with vegetables, a quarter of the plate with your protein source. And if you choose a quarter of the plate with some sort of whole grain option. Yes. And where it becomes tricky is if someone has blood sugar issues and often Indian Americans have a higher genetic predisposition to diabetes or prediabetes. So if you're plant-based and you're Carb choice, or I'm sorry, your protein choice, which is beans and lentils, also give you carbs. And so that's where it becomes tricky. And so when I work with those clients, we talk about how can we enhance the protein and make sure the carbs are not going overboard. Right, because we have to take into account the extra carbs that we're getting in the in the legumes. Exactly. Right. And of course, you have done a lot of recipe development for your book and for other online publications, what are some of the ways that you have found to modify maybe more traditional recipes to make them healthier? How do you adjust? Yes, I love cooking, especially vegetarian recipes, and it has to come down to quick easy and tasty. So some ways I have adapted traditional recipes is number one, I've cut down on the amount of ghee or oil that's used. I've cut back on the salt and sugar that are used in recipes. And some swaps I have made are using almond meal or coconut flour in place of whole grain flour um, in some recipes if I'm adjusting the carb load. I've also used Greek or Icelandic yogurt in place of regular yogurt to bump up the protein. Right. And so that is just the sort of strained thicker yogurt gives you a little bit more protein per serving. That's the advantage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then using seeds like chia seeds or flaxseed meal in traditional recipes to enhance the fiber, the omega-3 and protein. Right. Because those seeds are actually not typical to Indian cuisine, are they? Yes, they aren't. There are other seeds, but so these are some additions I've made. So when I make chapati at home, sometimes I'll throw in flaxseed meal or I may use chia seeds in place of some other grain in a pudding that's uh-huh. a traditional dish to just add that Indian flavor, but you're adding omega-3 fats. What a great idea. Sure. So what's the response, Ben, to your book, My Indian Table, Quick and Tasty Vegetarian Recipes? I'm sure it's had a great response. 
Thank you. It's, I've just been so deeply touched with the positive response and feedback um, to my book. This was a passion project and my goal was to reach more people, help them enjoy delicious Indian food, not be intimidated and really amp up the flavor of their foods while having health in mind. Um, I just had a review recently. Someone reached out to me, sent me a message and said that they have some family traditional roots in India, but they were never comfortable cooking Indian food. And this lady just got my book and she made her recipes one night for dinner and the family loved it. And they've actually decided to go vegetarian just based on that one dinner that they had. And (laughs) that just blew my mind. I was just, I was in tears, you know, that that is impact. That's positive impact. And again, I'm not saying you have to be vegetarian to be um, healthy. You can enjoy all foods, but if we can shift more towards a plant-based food lifestyle, it is healthier for all of us and the environment. And even those who are still choosing to eat meat on occasion are always, from the folks that I'm hearing from, looking for new and interesting ways to expand their repertoire of vegetarian foods. And I can't think of a better direction to go than than Indian cuisine, but that's my personal preference. Oh, so, mine too. <laughs> Vandana, what is it in closing that you'd most like people to understand about food and nutrition and how it supports our health? Well, I think food is so much more just than nourishment or macros or fuel. Uh, food has a profound impact on how we live our lives. And last year with what we've all been through globally, it's the silver lining has been that many of us are enjoying cooking more at home, mm-hmm. um, having family meals together. So my mission is really to encourage people to savor their food, knowing that spices can actually provide both a depth of flavor and health benefits. And delicious and nutritious food does not have to be complicated or time-consuming. Just a few shortcuts can really uh, make amazing plant-based Indian food accessible to you with confidence. Oh, that's just well said. And thank you so much (laughs) for joining me. Of course, we'll have links to your website and also to your book, your cookbook, uh, My Indian Table, Quick and Tasty Vegetarian Recipes in our show notes. But thank you, Vandana, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Monica. It was a pleasure being here. Our show is edited by Karen Hertzberg, produced by Nathan Sems, and our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Emily Miller, Michelle Margulis, Morgan Ratner, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.